Hi, good day and welcome to About Patterson, a podcast about the past, present, and future of our hometown, Patterson, New Jersey. As all Pattersonians know, Patterson was founded by our first Secretary of the Treasury, Alexander Hamilton, in 1791. Hamilton's vision for Patterson was as America's first planned industrial city, but even Hamilton couldn't have seen what Patterson would become. Patterson led the Industrial Revolution where Sam Colt manufactured his first revolvers, John Ryle manufactured America's first silk, Thomas Rogers built the first American locomotives, and John Holland tested the world's first modern submarine. But Patterson isn't just about the Industrial Revolution, it's about us, the people of Patterson. It's about our parents, our grandparents, and our great-grandparents who came to America and settled in Patterson for a better life. We all know Patterson today isn't the Patterson we grew up in, but something is happening that no one saw coming. After decades of decline, a miracle happened. Two Pattersonians, former Mayor Bill Pascrell in the House of Representatives and Frank Lautenberg in the United States Senate, passed a bill that was signed by President Barack Obama, making our Great Falls District a national park, and in my view, changed Patterson's future for the better. This is a podcast about Patterson, the historic Patterson we learned about, the Patterson we grew up in, and the Patterson that, in my opinion, is emerging from the ashes. So thanks so much for joining me today. One of the many Pattersonians lost to Patterson history is Socrates Tuttle. Today, those of us who are aware of the man remember him as the father-in-law of Patterson's Vice President Garrett A. Hobart. But Socrates Tuttle, in his time, was a historical figure worthy of remembering. One of the best paragraphs of any book I've ever read comes from the book written by Jenny Tuttle Hobart, Socrates Tuttle's daughter and wife of Vice President Garrett A. Hobart. In the first paragraph of her book, Memories, Jenny Tuttle wrote, About 100 years ago, two little boys used to sit on the same bench of a country schoolhouse in northern New Hampshire. They fished the same trout stream, wandered together down the white birch lanes by summer, and trudged through the snowdrifts of the long New England winters. Those two little boys were Socrates Tuttle and Addison Willard Hobart. One of them became my father, the other my father-in-law. Socrates Tuttle was born in Colebrook, New Hampshire on November 19, 1819. The family of Tuttle arrived in America from, New e- from England as early as 1640, and Socrates' grandfather, Jonathan Tuttle, served in the Revolutionary Army during the war. Socrates Tuttle was the fourth child in a family of nine children to Horatio and Betsy Tuttle. Horatio was a blacksmith by trade, and Socrates worked in his father's blacksmith shop until he was 22 years old. In the early 1800s, the education of children in New Hampshire was for all children to attend the local public school three months a year until they reached the age of 21. The remainder of Socrates' childhood time was spent in his father's blacksmith shop. Several brothers of Socrates moved to Patterson to find work as machinists, carpenters, and textile workers. His sisters came to northern New Jersey to work as teachers. Some years before, Addison Hobart, Garrett Hobart's father and good friend of Socrates, left New Hampshire for Monmouth County, New Jersey. 
Addison Hobart earned his living as a teacher, storekeeper, and postmaster. At 22 years old, Socrates left the blacksmith shop and New Hampshire for Blue Ball, New Jersey. Tuttle used to tell the story that all he had when he left his father's house was a pocket knife, a few dollars, and a brave heart. In Blue Ball, Socrates found work as a teacher at a subscription pay school where he taught from 1841 to 1844. In 1844, he left Blue Ball for Patterson, New Jersey. Patterson attorney James Spear must have been impressed with the young Socrates because he took him in as an apprentice lawyer. When Spear was appointed as a judge to the Court of Errors and Appeals, Socrates went to study with attorney Benjamin Vandervoort, where he remained until his admission to the bar in April 1848. At this time, Patterson was full of lawyers, many of them prominent, Daniel Barkalow, Aaron Pennington, and Silas Canfield, to name a few. In his first year as an attorney, Socrates Tuttle earned a total of $400, but his talent was recognized and he was noted for being a hard-working attorney. He also had a talent for drawing attention to himself by acquiring newsworthy cases. In 1850, Tuttle was assigned as a historical case when he became the attorney for the man who committed Patterson's first homicide, the murders of Judge John Van Winkle and his wife Jane. The house where the murders occurred still stands at 868 Goffle Road in Hawthorne, where it bears the name the Van Winkle House. On January 9, 1850, Judge John Van Winkle and his wife were asleep when a former farm employee, John Johnston, entered the home through an attic window, crept downstairs, and stabbed Jane Van Winkle first. Judge John was awakened by his wife's screams and fought with the killer. Mrs. Van Winkle had been struck in the face with a hatchet and died almost immediately, but the judge lived through the day long enough to identify the killer. The judge had been stabbed in the stomach and struck with a hatchet. The killer escaped the way he came in, through the attic window, and down a ladder. Fortunately, that night there was a light snow. The scene inside the house was a bloodbath, and the killer was so covered with blood, he left tracks in the snow. The sheriff, Nathaniel Lane, was notified and sent search parties out to follow the tracks of blood in the snow. At the end of the trail, they found John Johnston. Johnston, an immigrant from Liverpool, England, still had blood on his face and hands, as well as his shirt, and tried to convince the police the blood was from killing hogs. Johnston was taken into custody and taken back to the Van Winkle house, where the judge identified him as the attacker. Apparently, Johnson was angry with the judge because the judge had sentenced him to jail. Johnson would be held in the Patterson jail until his trial. The court appointed Socrates Tuttle to defend Johnston, but the evidence against Johnson was so strong he was convicted and sentenced to hang on April 30, 1850. John Johnston not only committed the first murder in Passaic County, he was the first man executed in Patterson. It wasn't long before Socrates Tuttle was among the most prominent attorneys in the city. Tuttle built a mansion on Ellison Street and took into his practice future Vice President Garrett A. Hobart as a student. As all Pattersonians know, 
Garrett Hobart became the 24th Vice President of the United States in the William McKinley administration. Jenny Hobart tells the story in her book Memories of when her future husband, Garrett Hobart, came to study with her father. It seems the two boyhood friends, Addison Hobart and Socrates Tuttle, stayed close their entire lives, and Socrates would often spend time at the Hobart farm in Monmouth County. Jenny writes in her book Memories, One Sunday afternoon, as the two friends sat under an apple tree in the front yard, affectionately discussing the future of Addison's infant son, Garrett Hobart, the proud father said with a merry twinkle in his eye, I'll make you a promise, Socrates. When my boy grows up, I'll send him to Patterson to study law with you. So it happened that in 1863, Garrett A. Hobart, fresh from Rutgers College, came to Patterson to study law in my father's office, and a 20-year-old promise was fulfilled. In 1869, Garrett Hobart would marry Jenny Tuttle in the parlor of her father's house, and 27 years later, Jenny would become the second lady of the land. In 1896, Garrett Hobart was William McKinley's running mate in the presidential election. McKinley won, and the Hobarts moved to Washington, D.C. Sadly, Hobart became ill with heart disease in 1899 and died in November to be replaced on the ticket as vice president by Theodore Roosevelt. When McKinley was assassinated in 1901, Teddy Roosevelt became president. Pattersonians were left with the question, what if Garrett Hobart had lived? Socrates Tuttle was also active in the politics of the Whig Party, which is the predecessor of the Republican Party. He was clerk to the city of Patterson, a member of the Board of Chosen Freeholders and a representative of the district in the state legislature. He also served as Patterson's mayor in 1871 and again in 1872. Tuttle counted, among, counted Abraham Lincoln among his many friends, and according to his daughter, Tuttle visited Lincoln at the White House many times. Socrates Tuttle also introduced Abraham Lincoln to the New Jersey State Legislature. Socrates Tuttle married three times. He married his first wife on May 23, 1848, who gave birth to Jenny Jane Hobart on April 30, 1849. Sadly, Jane died just one month later. He married his second wife in November of 1852. She lived until 1869. The children were... Charles M., a practicing attorney in the city of Patterson, William D., a clerk in the office of the New York Susquehanna and Western Railway Company, Minnie, who died in infancy, Elizabeth Murray, who died at the age of three, Lillian, who died at the age of seven, and Augustus Hobart, born August 25, 1869. Tuttle's third wife was Elizabeth Weller, widow of Dr. F.S. Weller, a Patterson surgeon in the United States Army who was drowned during the Civil War off Cape Hatteras in February of 1862. Socrates Tuttle died suddenly on February 12, 1885 of angina pectoris. The New York Times headline read, Buried in a Terrible Storm. Such a storm of rain and wind and sleet has not been seen in Patterson for years. Despite the terrible weather, 
Patterson's first Presbyterian church was crowded for his funeral. The entire bar of the Passaic County marched in procession from the district courthouse to the family residence and then to the church, followed by 30 or 40 private carriages. Reverend J.R. Robinson, Reverend Dr. Shaw, Reverend Dr. Maggie, who would later write Garrett Hobart's biography, delivered eulogies on the life and character of Socrates Tuttle. Socrates Tuttle was buried at Cedar Lawn Cemetery. Thanks for joining me today. Next week, we'll pick up on part five of Reuben Carter, John Artis, and the murders at the Lafayette Grill, Just the Facts. In part four, we covered Carter's criminal record from the time he was nine years old up to the evidence that convicted the two men in the first trial. Next week, in part five, we'll examine Carter's book, The Sixteenth Round, and the truths, half-truths, and outright lies that won Carter and Artis a second trial with the help of a New York Times reporter and a host of celebrities, including Muhammad Ali. Thanks for joining me. See you next week.